Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Never shut up. Good morning, everybody. Today is Thursday, October 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Efren Jr., and today we pulled Operation Peter Pan. Five, four, three, two, one. It's the final countdown. It's the final countdown. How depressing. <laughs> Thank you to everybody out there who's reached out saying that you're going to miss me. Oh, I'm going to miss you too. Rose is going to be amazing and things are going to change so fast. You're going to be want you're going to hate having me on Mondays soon. You'd be like, "Shut up. We want our rose. We want our rose." But while we're here, I have to say, while I'm here rather, while you're you're going to be here, but I while I'm here, I have to say, Operation Peter Pan. Let's talk about Operation Pedro Pan, which is this 1960 thing that happened in Cuba where the Catholic Church of Miami, Pastor Brian Walsh, who gives me a little buggy vibes, but what am I going to say? Brian Walsh spearheaded a movement to remove 14,000 kids away from their parents, independent of their parents, move them out of Cuba into Miami as refugees. And the parents in Cuba were going along with this and were eager, it seems, in my research, which I've done a lot of today, it seemed that they were really eager to have their kids participate in the program. Like they were really hopeful to get their kid accepted into this idea that they could immigrate into the United States, into Miami, because according to my research, Fidel Castro had gone very communist. It was a really dicey time. And so these parents shipped their kids to the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church flew them out of Cuba alone. Kids where most of them lived in foster care or in boarding schools, and not all of them were reunited with their parents. Uh, some of them were, but a lot of the parents ended up having like exit visa problems. I do understand where the parents are coming from, shipping their kids, hopefully you'll have a better life. And this idea of this land of opportunity, right? This idea that you could have a better life, but the terror and the pain and the sadness of separating yourself from your child, I also understand that. And then also I felt like reading about this. Now, I watched a bunch of videos where, because now that was in 6062. So all of those people, they're still alive. I mean, the Operation Peter Pan kids, most of them are still alive. There's 14,000 of them, which is, quote unquote, the largest in the Western Hemisphere. But are we forgetting the Indian Child Welfare Act, which was enacted because scores of Native American children were being removed from their homes and adopted into white families. Let's not even talk about what that did to the United States and the native reservation relations, but it's erasure in a way. In my research, so the Indian Child Welfare Act, as I'm reading about it, states that in fact, research found that 25 to 35% of all native children were being removed. Of these, 85% were placed outside of their families and communities, even when fit and willing relatives were available. Congressional testimony documented the devastating impact this was having upon Native children, families, and tribes. So if I went into the actual document, I went into the House of Representatives establishing standards for the placement of Indian children in foster or adoptive homes to prevent the breakup of Indian families and for other purposes. So 
it said that 25 to 35 percent of all Native American children were being removed from their homes. I was trying to get like an actual number. What is that? Because is that like 200? Is that like two, 2 million? Like what is that number? And the only thing that I could find in this whole like very small font PDF that I read, which is how many pages was this? 24 pages but like you know like court pages so you can skip a lot of it <laughs> you know you don't have to read you don't have to read legal documents in their entirety you know but i read this the disparity in placement rates for indians and non-indians is shocking in minnesota indian children are placed in foster care or in adoptive homes at a per capita rate five times greater than non-indian children in montana the ratio of indian foster care placement is at least 13 times greater in south dakota 40 percent of all adoptions made by the state's department of public welfare since 67 68 are of indian children that's 40 percent yet indians make up only seven percent of the juvenile population. The number of South Dakota Indian children living in foster homes is per capita nearly 16 times greater than the non-Indian rate. In the state of Washington, the Indian adoption rate is 19 times greater and the foster care rate 10 times greater. In Wisconsin, the risk run by Indian children of being separated from their parents is nearly 1,600% greater than it is for non-Indian children. Just as Indian children are exposed to these great hazards, their parents are too. The federal boarding school and dormitory programs also contribute to the destruction of Indian family and community life. The Bureau of Indian Affairs in its school census for 1971 indicates that 34,538 children live in its institutional facilities rather than at home with their parents. This represents more than 17% of the Indian school-age population of federally recognized reservations. Okay, so 17% of the Indian school-age population of recognized reservations, 17% of that population is 34,538. And the Indian Child Welfare Removal Act was enacted because 25 to 35% of Indian children were being removed from their homes and taken away from their families and their tribes. So that, in my rudimentary math skills of 17% is 34,000. 25%, even the low end, is like 40,000 or at least 45,000, which is greater than the 14,000. And I'm not saying that one is greater than the other. I think it's all shit. I think it is all shit. And I wanted to offer a little perspective on how this country, what this country does to people of color and what... We are facing right now with a genocide with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, this is a really complicated situation, but it's not. It's really, really not. A lot of people will say, oh, it's a complicated situation, and then, like, not read anything about it. Like, if it's complex, if it's complicated to you, listen to a podcast. There's some incredible podcasts out there. There's some incredible, you say what you will about TikTok, but I've learned so much from TikTok. I have learned because there's content creators of all kinds. I've said it before. If you want recipes, you're going to end up on recipe talk. If you like true crime, you'll end up on crime talk. If you like news, you're going to end up in news talk, dance talk. It can be anything. There are so many content creators out there, but it's really not a complex situation. The complexity comes from the management of the political aspect of it all. So as we watch an entire world support the genocide of the Palestinian people, I was scrolling around and I read the phrase, queer liberation is Palestinian liberation. So I looked into that a little bit because 
it made sense to me, but I wanted to be able to speak on it. And it said queer liberation in Palestine. And this is from a website exploring sexual and gender diversity in Palestinian society. The, and this was reported in 2021. An online resource by Al Kais exploring the connections between queer liberation and Palestine in the light of last month's uprising against Israeli settler colonialism. Queer liberation is fundamentally tied to the dreams of Palestinian liberation. The struggle for liberation continues. We must continue to take action, mobilize, and engage queer and trans communities in Palestine and globally until we end Israel's settler colonial project and all forms of oppression. In the past month, Palestinians took to the streets of countless cities in defiance of colonial borders and Israel's practices of dispossession, displacement, land theft, military occupation, fragmentation, and besiegement. The message of unity rang loud and clear. The liberation of Palestine can only be achieved with the total abolition of Israel's settler colonial project. Queer liberation is fundamentally tied to the dreams of Palestinian liberation, self-determination, dignity, and the end of all systems of oppression. That's what queer liberation is. In a settler colonial context, no clear line can be drawn where colonialism ends and patriarchal violence begins. The fight against patriarchy and sexual oppression is intertwined with the fight against settler colonialism and capitalism. And as we've discussed yesterday, I'm deprogramming from capitalism. This system is fucked up. This system is fucked up. And I believe hearing Operation Peter Pan, listening to Tori Amos discuss one aspect of it, makes me so mournful for where we are as a country, where we are as a world where we are globally and what we can do, what, what can I do? It's like when people say it's complicated and use that as an excuse to not dive into it, I believe probably what's happening is like I, to give people grace, it's like, what can I do? There's what, can, and I feel that way all the time. Like, what can I do? What can I fucking do about anything? I can't fucking do anything about anything. I sign my petitions. I fucking regram my infographics. But like, what can I do? I've been to, it's like demoralizing. It's And it's very defeatist i know and it's like trying to find like honest research on operation peter pan trying to find honest research on the removal of fourteen thousand kids from their parents and the narratives that i found were that the parents willingly let their kids go that's like a history rewrite it seems to me that's like that can't be right surely there was propaganda involved surely Although I know that Cuba doesn't have freedom of speech the way that we have, and they don't have freedom of the, they don't have political or uh, freedom of the press rather, they don't have freedom of expression. So it's all spun narrative, and maybe I don't know, maybe that's why the song came out of the bag today. She says, "Kiss Pedro for me" at the end. It seems like she's sort of leaning into this idea of like the Peter Pan, the Neverland idea. She said, Operation Peter Pan spanned from 60 to 62, whereby over 14,000 children were sent away from their families in Cuba, some never to reunite again. Pan Am flights took the children to Miami, Florida, Never Neverland, and the children became known as the Peter Pans. I wrote this song for my daughter, and it is sung for all the daughters and the mothers, fathers and brothers who felt this pain of separation, all because of governments and their politics. It's like these assholes can enact whatever they're going to do, and these assholes can colonialize and disenfranchise and murder and eradicate and genocide and separate and displace and humiliate and annihilate. And then we forget the human face of it all. We forget the human face of it all. And, and I saw this video of this Palestinian child who had clearly been through something awful sitting in a hospital 
with like this stunned look on his face and this doctor trying to comfort him because his parents, his father had just died. It's so demoralizing. It's so dehumanizing. And that's the world we live in. And I don't know what we can do about it. I don't know. This is not, I don't know. The bag gave me no answers today. Maybe if I can pull another answer. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm pulling something else out of the bag. Let's see. Mary's eyes. You know, the immediate thought I had was education and like technology. Isn't Mary's eyes like about computer code? What's behind Mary's eyes cracking the code? Stringing sequences together to bring her back to us, right? Like we need a dose of humanity. We need to, we need to be, maybe that is the reason these two are paired randomly is that we need the technology and we need to string sequences together to bring the humanity back. Like we need to be open. We need to watch. We need to uncover alternate forms of media. We need to figure out the truthful media, first of all. Oh God, I'm so just disappointed in this. I don't know what I can say. I'm so disappointed in this world. I'm going to play this TikTok that really affected me um, here at the end. And then a live performance of Operation Peter Pan. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday and I'll talk to you tomorrow for Fuck Around Friday. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm not taking questions. Should we take questions? No, it's too late in the week. If I don't start that question process by like Tuesday, then I don't have enough questions. So we'll fuck around some other way. I'll figure it out. Bye. I think right now is a more important time than ever to remind you that education and information are two of the most impactful ways that you can fight fascism and oppression from your home. Uh, the height of misinformation that is going on right now around Palestine is terrifying and violent and harmful. Um, and the very least that you can do is try and educate yourself. And the very least I can do as a book account is share with you not just some people that I've seen day in, day out spreading resources uh, recommending Palestinian authors, but also share some of those resources with you myself because some of them are incredible. Here are some of the creators that I've seen giving incredible resources and information, specifically the Palestinian creators who are taking the time right now to educate and give information. We are so privileged to be receiving that from them right now, so do not waste it. In terms of some of the resources that I have seen that I want to share with you, Sonia Solomon has made a reading list for Palestinian speculative fiction. A lot of it is graphic novels and short stories that are available for free and also very accessible to read. If you go to Haymarket Books Instagram right now, they're also providing a lot of free Palestinian literature. Um, Kay reads on here. If you go to their page, they have made a Google Docs with a lot of free Palestinian literature, easily accessible. You can read it on your phone. Yeah, there is an internet full of free education on what is going on, what has been going on. Uh, it's more important than ever to read up about this stuff and to support Palestinian authors and platform Palestinian voices because we are witnessing a ethnic cleansing and a genocide that is being funded by most of the most powerful countries in the world. And it is terrifying and horrifying and um, yeah. Please do your part. So Maggie, my friend Maggie's here tonight. She helped me play my garden. And my little girl was in my countdown. And we used to go out and um, weed. That's such a joke. She's laughing. Don't laugh your ass off, Meg, when I say weed. <laughs> That girl never did a day of waiting in her life. She sat on her mm, as big as a tree. 
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.